If you want to take your Bibles and turn to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, I'll give you a second to do that, the ninth chapter. Today the sermon title is Living with the Four G's. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about these, God is glorious, God is great, God is gracious, God is good. I want to take that and apply it a little bit today, and when I was preparing to do that, the scripture I felt like the Lord led me to was this passage in Nehemiah chapter 9. And like I said, I'm going to try to lay out a little bit for you where we're going to try to get to today. Um, It prompted me to reread the entire book of Nehemiah. And and what happens here in verse 9, what's going on is Nehemiah has been called back to Jerusalem. He's gone back. The city walls were in ruin. Uh, He reestablishes. He gets the, the city rebuilt you know, they're, they're at different times, they're in attack. Some of them are keeping guard while they're working. Uh, by chapter 9, the, the, the wall has been rebuilt. They have uh, reestablished much of the order within the city. They have now found the books and they start to read the law. And here's what it says in Nehemiah chapter 9. Let's read the first, starting with verse 1. And we'll read uh, a few verses here. This is kind of what I'm hoping will happen today, where we're, where we're getting to. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and they stood and they confessed their sins and their iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of a day. And for a quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. Verse 5, then the Levites, Jeshua, uh, the last part of verse five, I'm not going to read all those names. Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. And so what I'm hoping to do today, this is where we're going to get to in a few minutes is sometimes we just need markers in our lives and 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 today is maybe just a much of an expression of what i need and what i'm hoping for as anything um if you notice there it says on the 24th day of this month there's this definite day this marker there's this event within the within the history of israel where they re-establish their covenant with god that the, the, the city walls are built, the foundations are laid, they're, they're looking forward to their future, they're coming back into Jerusalem to start inhabiting it again. And one of the things they do for their future is they, they reestablish their covenant with God. They come before Him, they confess their sins, and they worship. And that's what I'm hoping we're going to do today. In, in a few moments, um, we're going to have a time of rededication, a, a, a time of response. You know, it's typically not my practice to have quote-unquote old-fashioned altar calls. But today, I think one of the things I learned in my childhood from those times is, is those days often became markers in my life. I can remember when I went to the altar and prayed, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do with me, do with me. And, and it was, and it was weeks and weeks of praying there and giving myself to the Lord when I realized, you know, Jason, you're, you're tied down in so many places that I can't move you. And so I, I broke some of, I quit some jobs. I withdrew from school at the time and, and the Lord moved me in the direction that he would have me go on. And, and so I remember those moments. I remember the moment when I was a child, about eight years old. 
and there was an altar in, uh, invitation. And I, and I walked down front and I, and I told the pastor I believed in Jesus and I wanted to be baptized. And, and, and later on, I would be baptized on Easter Sunday. I remember that day in my head. We sing a song about here I raise my Ebenezer. I talk about this word really often, you know. And that what that word Ebenezer means, it's a, it's a biblical word. It means stone of remembrance. And when the, when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan, they took stones out of the middle of the Jordan River. And when they crossed over, they set the stones down as a, as a marker, a, a remember what you did. Remember this day. Remember what God did in your life. And, and every time you see this stone, this marker, remember the commitment you made. Remember the great deeds of God. And so there comes times in our lives when we need these moments where we respond, where we do something to kind of, you know, drive a stake in the ground and say, here is where I am and here's where I'm going from here. This, I remember the day I did this. I remember the day that I, I thought this. This is, this is my starting point. And the reason I believe God maybe has led us to this point today is there is starting next week, I'm going to start a new sermon series called Looking Forward, our 2020 vision. Isn't that clever? 2020 vision. Y'all get it? Right? I wish I could say I didn't hear that somewhere. I think I stole that from somebody. But the theme we're going to be looking at in 2020 and for the foreseeable future, as I'm concerned, is over the last about year, I've been trying, I've been researching, I've been praying. Randy and I have had just numerous conversations about what the future of the church looks like, both our church and the church universal and so forth. And, and so somewhere in the process of that, we've come up with this kind of vision statement, growing together in grace and truth. And starting next week, we're going to be looking at what that means, what growing together in grace and truth means. There's a lot going on next week. As, as Randy already said, we're having our annual meeting and officially our new year doesn't start till October the 1st. But the time we get together and we make our decisions about what our new year, we're kind of starting the new year next year or, or next week. Uh, you know, and, and I'm be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of excited by it. I've always thought that, you know, our business meetings were kind of set apart from worship. <laughs> And fellowship, and, and I'm kind of personally excited that we're doing all of this in the same day, that we're going to get together and we're going to worship God. And then we're going to fellowship together in, in at least the Baptist sense of fellowship, right? We're going to eat and, and sit around the table and, and talk about the weather and whatever. And, and, you know, we're going to race to get whoever's pie that happens to be out there that day and, and just enjoy being together. Something we particularly like doing quite often. If you've not noticed on Sunday mornings that we're often waiting for everybody to stop enjoying being together so we can kind of get started because we like to be together. And I think that's a great thing, by the way. And then we're going to make decisions, you know, hard decisions sometimes about where we're going to spend our finances, how we're going to be steward. And I don't think there's anything more spiritual in the world than when we get together and we decide how we're going to be stewards. Because through that stewardship process and by putting people in position in, in service and in committees and boards and so forth, we're setting the course of our future. 
We're saying these are the things that we value. Where you spend your money, where you spend your time, and where you invest yourself speaks highly of what you think about those things, of what you value and priority. And we're going to do that together. And that requires sometimes some great self-denial and some honesty and just some working it out and, and, and testing the bonds of our relationship with each other. That, that we're really committed to one another. And so I think it's great that we're doing those things. And so a lot of ways, our future starts next week. And before these people in Nehemiah's day could have a future, they needed to reestablish themselves with God. You know, they needed to go back and say, let's just clear the slate. Let's, let's put a stake down in the ground and say, today is the day that I confess today is the day that i rededicate today is the day that i completely give myself to god and that's what i'm hoping today will be a time for us to to start to look forward to lay a foundation for our future to reestablish ourselves to, to drive a marker because i sense within my own life sometimes i need these markers these this day i can tell you already i'm planning to spend time somewhere up front praying because that means something to me that's the way i was raised i used to come down front and pray and so because of my history because of who i am because of how i think that's meaningful to me that may be meaningful to you and you will be invited to come down and pray if that means something to you maybe it's just as meaningful for you to bow your head right where you sit and if that's meaningful to you sit there and pray Maybe it's meaningful to you to stand up where you're at and pray. And if that's meaningful to you, do that. And after I'm done, I'll be standing up front and Randy's going to be standing up front. And maybe you're just like, well, I always like praying with someone because the Bible says, you know, where two agree, it shall be done. And so if you want someone to pray with you or pray for you, Randy and I'll be down front and that's meaningful. We'll be glad to join. Just make sure you speak in my right ear because that's my good ear that I can hear better and not my left ear, which I'm deaf in. If that's what you need. And so this is a time for us to make some real movement in our life and, and participate in worship. Because that's what I see them doing there. Before the, before the city was to go on, they had to have this day where they rededicated, reestablished themselves with God. And, and a lot of that's based on what we've been talking about, the four G's. And so what I'd like to do is just remind you, before we come to the Lord let us remind ourselves who God is, what we've been learning. If you remember, this is why we went through the four G's. So that we would praise and worship God for who he is. Great, glorious, gracious, and good. If you don't have one of the handouts, if you didn't get the sermon notes, this, by the way, is your sermon notes. There are some on the end of each pew if you want to be able to follow along as we kind of put these into applications. And if we run out and you need to get up and go in the back and grab one, feel free. But we need to have a clear view. And, and, and they did. The people in Nehemiah's day had a good view of who God was. If you're still there in Nehemiah, look at verse 6. It says, You are the Lord, you alone. You made heaven, the heaven heavens, and all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abraham, brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, have given him the name Abraham. 
you found in his heart faithful before you and you made with him a covenant to give him an offspring and the land, the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites and Perizzites, Jebusites, Gergesites. And you have kept your promises and you are righteous. One of the things they first realized is that God is this glorious God, that he is God alone. That there is no one above him. That he is the great God. And so when we think about coming to God, we read these stories about what God did in the Bible. And let me remind you, we read this in Nehemiah. And, I, and I'll be honest, when I was reading, I was like, oh, look at the history of Israel. Look what Nehemiah the prophet did for Israel when he established, reestablished Jerusalem and built up the walls. And look what the people said about God, how great he was and all the things he did. This isn't just the history of Israel. This is our history. This is our God. It's the same God today. He's still God alone, the great one. And we worship and he's here and we're here to be with this great God. And so thinking about who he is and in whose presence we are today should have an unbelievable effect on us. We want to consider why who he is matters to us. How does that impact our life? When God is glorious and great and gracious and good, how does that impact our lives? Do we recognize when we miss it and our sinful reaction to missing who God is and then how to properly align our lives to him? And so I just want to briefly review the four G's with you. First, there's God is glorious. That he is to be feared. That he is... A God who is awesome in power. And when we miss who God is, we start to become afraid of other people, of of man or circumstances. Fear grows in our lives. When we forget that God is God alone, we start to fear other things. And we try to take control of those. We we try to rely on ourselves and we actually become proud that, that I'm the one who's glorious. I'm in control. I'm the one who's got all the answers and, and I'm going to take care of my fears. And we try to relieve our fears and our anxieties on ourselves and by ourselves. Instead of saying, God's got this. He's glorious. And all I need, the only thing I need to be afraid of in all the world, the only thing I need to care about is God. And that my relationship with Him is right. And once that relationship is right, all other fears should be released. If God is for you, who can be against you? What can be against you? God is glorious and to be afraid. And and that we should rightly fear Him. We should care about Him. And so when we recognize that God is glorious, we realize that we don't need to fear anyone or anything. And just trying to live that out. Think, are there moments, is there a circumstance, an event, a, a person in your life who causes you to be afraid, who you avoid and don't want to be around or, 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 or in some kind of way aren't realizing that the glorious God's in charge of that and that I'm okay with God and what that person thinks doesn't matter. Maybe it's you. What I think doesn't matter about me as long as I am right with God. Then we talked about God being great. There's three parts of that. He's in prominent position, God alone. But he's great in power that he can do anything. But that he's great in his character too. That he's a great God that's perfect in all his ways. 
in verse 9 of Nehemiah, the people are starting to talk about how great God is. They say, you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all the servants and all the people of his land. For you knew they acted arrogantly against our fathers. You made a name for yourself. And it is to this day. The people started to recognize how great God was. All these things he did. Look look at your history. What in your past, what in your history tells you God's great? What great things has he done? As you sit here and you think about it, where you say, I know God did this and God did this and God did this. Look how great he is. And live in that greatness. How wonderful he is. When we miss that God is great, when he miss that he's in control of all these things, we start to grasp for control ourselves. We want to either control people or control circumstances or control both in some kind of way. And we frantic ourselves with being in control. Is there a situation in our life where we need to say, God, you need to take this and I need to take my hands off of it. I need to let you be in control And I don't need to try to fix that person, correct that person, control that person, manipulate that person. Don't need to be in charge of that circumstance or this circumstance that that I can trust you because you're great. You, You can handle it and you really don't need my help at all. And I think you can probably do it right and better. Because when we realize that God is great, we realize I don't need to be in control. That God's got it. He's great. He's able and cares. Then we talked about God being gracious. Verse 16 in Nehemiah talks about their forefathers. And they said they acted presumptuously and they stiffened their necks and they did not obey your commands. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you that you performed among them they forgot how great you were they forgot the wonders you performed and so they acted presumptuously they stiffened their necks and appointed leaders returned to slavery but you are a god ready to forgive gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them the people rebelled against you. Our forefathers rebelled against you. They stiffened their necks so that they would not give way to your rule. But you were gracious, merciful, and did not abandon them. Is there a place in our lives where we stiffened our necks? Where we've become rebellious? Where we are not obeying the Lord. But we need to remember God is gracious. And when we miss God's grace. It tends to lead us in being judgmental towards other people. That, that the one of the ways to make ourselves look better and take care of the grace. Is by making other people look worse. Right? And you know, at least I don't X, Y, Z. Right? And so we deal with our own need of grace by judging others and putting them below us. And when we realize that God is gracious, we, need, we can cry out like these people, we need you. You are a gracious God. You remain faithful when I do not. And I don't need to prove myself, but to trust in grace and grace alone. 
And then finally we realize that God is good. They go on and talk about how great God is and his goodness. Uh, verse 32, Now therefore our great God, the mighty and awesome God, who keeps your covenant and your steadfast love, let the hardship of this little be upon us and our kings and princes. He talks about, they talk about in verse 26 through 30, how the, that God gave them this land, this good land, that he was good to them even when they weren't obedient, even when through his grace he did good. And one of the things we need to reassure ourselves of is that God is good. And when we miss that, we start looking for other providers for the good we need. We start looking to ourselves or for other people or, or, or circumstances or materials or, or other places to find those good things. We start trying to provide for ourselves the good that is in God because we're not content. And so why does it matter? When I recognize that God is good, then I don't have to look for satisfaction anywhere else. And so if you see this little chart... It kind of lays it out for you. I encourage you to take this with you and use it every day because who God is, these four G's, God is glorious. And when I act in belief, I'm humble. I fear God and I, and I humble myself. I, I revere God. I come to him before, in, before him in reverence. And I don't have to fear men and other circumstances. When I realize God is great, I don't need to be in control, but it means I can submit my life through belief to God that, that you can be in control and in submission to the creator and his will. I give over control of my life that God is gracious and I don't need to prove myself. I realize God forgives me and that sets me up in a place where I can now forgive others and God is good. I don't have to look for satisfaction anywhere else. And the fruit of belief there is just real contentment that God is enough. This is the God who we serve. The same God that Nehemiah served. The same God that our forefathers served when they reestablished Jerusalem. And on and on and on. He is glorious, great, gracious, and good. My invitation for you today is if you recognize who God is, if you contemplate these four G's, it should greatly impact how you live and how you approach God. And we're going to have a time. Someone's coming to play some quiet music and we're going to sit there and however you need to respond. This is a time, first of a confession. If you need to do like the people in Nehemiah's day did and say, hey, look, we've been stiff-necked We've been stubborn. We've been disobedient, rebellious. If there's something you need to confess, this is a good time for us to do that. And you can drive a marker. This is the day I made sure my slate was clean with God. September 15th, instead of the 24th of the month, the 15th of the month of September, I made sure I was clean, that, that I had confessed repented that i chose to turn from sin that i called the things that were hindering me sin and i chose to turn from them or dedication maybe you're like me as that child and say look i just need to give god complete control of my life i need to recognize who he is and say you are my god i will follow you please take complete control and dedicate yourself to god for the first time Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you want to make that public, your profession of faith. Today could be that day you drive that marker in the ground and say, this is the day I assured myself of my eternal salvation. What a day that would be. 
Or maybe it's a day when you say, hey, look, I realize I've just gotten off the path somewhere. I've been lackadaisical. I've been like the city of Jerusalem. My walls have been torn down. You know, invaders have been coming and going from my life. And today is the day I want to reestablish my wall. Today is the day I want to reestablish my covenant. Today is the day I want to reestablish my faith and my dedication and my trust in God Almighty. To Jesus be the glory. Then this can be your day. Maybe you just need to pray for our future. For our 2020 vision. What it means to grow together in grace and truth. Maybe you can come and pray for the future of this church. Maybe you can come together and pray for the future of the church in America or the church in the world. They all need prayer. Maybe you can come today and just pray for Randy and I, the pastors, that as we continue to discuss and look about our future and our vision and try to lead and influence where we're going, that that will be led by God and you can have faith in us because you have faith in God to instruct us. Maybe you need to come pray for our community, for Clarion itself. That, that somehow God has us here. And one of the convictions I had that started me on this vision was back some years ago when God gave us a parking lot. And I know that seems really kind of insignificant. But to me, God was saying, I'm not done with you yet. You know, you've been here for a hundred and some years without a parking lot. We're going to give you a parking lot and keep you right here on this corner in Clarion doing something and what is it that the community needs from us and how can we impact our community and how can we love and grow and flourish right where we're planted like i wonder if that tree is still there in franklin miss jean growing and giving apples because that's where it was planted this is where god planted a tree and may we nourish the community in which we're planted pray for that maybe you'll just come pray for the lost one thing I was convinced at the last carnival we had, and we had five, six, some hundred people here, whoever knows how many we had, all the lost people in Clarion hadn't been reached yet. And so there are lost people out there for us to pray about. Maybe we can reach, maybe God will use us to minister and reach to a few to his glory and honor and the growing of his kingdom. Maybe you pray for unity. Let's be honest, we're people, right? I had a pastor friend, and this was his 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 theory. Like, every year, once we get past that one big meeting, I'm good to go for another year. Because it's at times like this when we make corporate decisions. When we, when we all start to voice our opinion, that's when our unity starts to be tested a bit. Let's be honest. We all have our own agendas. We all have our own preferences. We have our own thoughts. And coming together and working it out... Sometimes it's just two of us, me and Shelly, and the two of us trying to work it out sometimes can be a challenge. Anybody know what I'm talking about with their, with their spouse? All right, that's just me. But there's a hundred of us trying to work it out together. That can be a challenge sometimes. And praying for our unity and our humility and our selflessness and, and our care for one another and our trust in God and our faith that God is gracious and he's great, and he's good, and he's glorious. And help us focus on him, and help us move your kingdom forward, and let's be kingdom-minded and not castle-minded. And it's about your kingdom. You're the great king and the great emperor, and we're here to serve you, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And maybe you'll just pray, Lord, help us grow together in grace and truth. That would be a great prayer too. So as our musicians come to lead us in that time, This is our time of confession, repentance, and dedication. 
And after that, we're going to do what the people in Nehemiah's day did. We're going to stand up and worship a great, glorious, gracious, and good God.